If you're an established woman in tech who is creating results and making an impact at work, so your workload and stress just keep growing, but promotions and salary bumps remain a distant dream, it's time for a change. Listen, we all know the tech industry has dramatically changed. It's time your career approach did too. You don't need cookie cutter programs or dusty advice from outdated playbooks because What works for tech bros won't work for you. You need individualized, bespoke support to build your brave career. One that reflects who you are as a woman in tech. I invite you to explore career coaching with me. Get all the details, including prices and client results at tricksteinbach.com. You can stress less work less, and earn more. You've already earned it. Let's make it happen. Welcome to the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm Nicole Trick-Steinbach, your host and the international bravery coach on a mission to redefine brave, how we identify it, live it, And most importantly, celebrate it. Because when you build your brave, you change your world. And that changes the world. Talk about something to celebrate. Let's go. Hello, brave people. On this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast... We are welcoming Brenda Reed. I approached Brenda. No, actually, I posted on LinkedIn looking for people to come on here. And you said yes. And I gave a little squeal. For those of you who know me in real life, you know that I squeal when I'm excited. Because when I met Brenda, she was this heart-centered leader who also had really, really high expectations when we were working together at a tech company called SAP. And since then, Brenda has moved to PwC. She's a global leader for HR technologies. She's also, and this really speaks to me with my background, a teen mom who turned that into advocacy for hundreds of teen moms through the Hope House in Colorado, as well as many other conversations with professionals. She's a rock star woman in tech, and her brave story is one that's inspired by the mental health awareness of May. So Brenda, is there anything that you want to add? Thank you for having me, Nicole. I am thrilled to be here. I've spent a lot of May just being vulnerable and open about all things mental health. I think we have to lead out loud. So here I am and uh, just happy that you wanted to have me. So thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So the fun story, and, and Brenda and I spoke beforehand about a number of different options. I want to share that I knew Brenda throughout this entire story and I had no idea. And when I learned years later It was really inspirational how people can, well, Brenda's going to share her story and still give so much because who we are is so special. So Brenda, would you share your brave story with us? Well, thank you. I am happy to. So yeah, it's, it's so funny when you can look at it all now in the rearview mirror, right? It's, 
the changes that it brought. <laughs> but my story really started in 2017. I call 2017 affectionately the year that broke Brenda. <laughs> and it did. I, <laughs> it was it was death by a thousand paper cuts that year. I We went from my dad being fine to losing him over the course of, of about 10 months, which so many people face. Like I think it's the thing with my story, you're going to find yourself in a piece of it. Everyone that listens to this will find themselves in a piece of it. And and that's my sincere hope in, in sharing it too. It's So we lost my dad to um, Lewy body dementia. And that was, you know, it, Lewy body attacks the physical. It, it, it is like Alzheimer's meets meets a whole bunch of physical stuff and it all just clashes up against each other. So he was losing his body as much as he was losing his mind. And, and we ended up mm. making really difficult decisions about putting him in memory care and estate sailing their lifelong home and just all of the, the pain that, that came with that and the stress of needing to do that at the same time that we were navigating losing dad. But on top of all of that, I had so many other things that year I had, I had a family member who was in the throes of alcoholism and in an abusive marriage that decided at the finally reached a breaking point to leave that. And I had to set some tough boundaries around that because I needed to be there for dad and really wanted to be there for them. And that was really hard. So that took a toll. My daughter had a health crisis, a pretty significant health crisis that really had some potentially massive implications. Thank God that none of that ended up coming to fruition. But at the time when you're going through it, you don't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we were yeah. juggling all of that. I had a big, big high profile project at work that was a, a significant weight and it had me on the road a lot. So I was juggling all of those things at the same time I was on the road. So that year was just a culmination of so many things at once. And my coping mechanism is to just power through. <laughs> I dive in, I find a problem, I get to the root of the problem, I power through the problem. And then somehow after the problem's gone and it's solved, then my body goes, okay, now we can decompress from all of that. And I think it was <laughs> such a sustained year of stress. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't you know, everything was disrupted. And so after we lost dad in October, which was kind of like the, the grand finale of the year, if you will, you know, in November and December, I just, I thought it was grief, right? I just blamed everything. It's, I'm grieving. And, and there probably was a fair amount of that, but I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, no, I know I wasn't a hundred percent at work. I had an amazing team who did all the heavy lifting. I don't know how I did survive this without the team, but I just wasn't me. And finally, about mid-January, I hit this point where I just realized there was no joy left in my life anymore. Things that that should bring me joy. My grandbabies, for example, weren't bringing me joy. Mm. Things that, that you know, you should be excited about. There just was no joy left. And I, that's when I realized, that, like, this isn't just grief. Like, something's not right. And... I really had trouble accepting that because I felt like I was weaker. I was somehow not worthy. I was a bad leader. Like, you know, you put all these pressures on yourself that somehow admitting that you need help suddenly devalues you as a person. And I had to get beyond that to the point that I was like, I, I can't solve this on my own. I've been trying. I clearly 
something is not right. And I took a leave of absence from work during not a, an easy time to do that. And it was just time that I needed to spend some time focusing on this and, and figuring out what this was. And so I took that leave of absence and, and went and saw a therapist and saw my doctor and we worked through all the different pieces that were part of that. And I've learned, you know, I had a panic attack in the middle of all of that. I've never had a panic attack before. If anyone's not had one, you know, we hear them and you, you kind of think, okay, whatever, but it's, there were three hours of my life that I can't tell you anything about because I sat in a chair, just frozen, staring at the wall. And my daughter came and she's like, mom, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I can't, you know, you're not responding. Something's not right. And I didn't even know I'd been there. I'd been sitting there just frozen from this for so long. And so I just had to get to the root of all of these things and get past the stigma associated with all of them, which is why it's really important for me to, to talk out loud about it. And that this month is really important to me because I think so many people are afraid to admit that they, they need and want help. You know, when you're depressed, when you have anxiety and it turns out that all of those things, I had to get my sleep sorted out. There were just a lot of things that came out of that, that I've been able to really turn the corner with. But if I hadn't pressed pause, and if I hadn't taken that moment to prioritize my health and my mental health over all the other things that were, were seeking for my attention, I, I don't know what I would be like right now because, you know, I joke, I say I lost my mojo, but I, <laughs> I did. And I knew <laughs> I needed to get that back. And pressing pause was the only way to do that. So being willing to walk away was that was a brave moment for me. That was it was high risk from a career standpoint. It did not come at a good time does it ever come at a good time? But you know, when you're in the middle of some pretty visible stuff, then that exposes it yeah. in what feels like a very different way. So that was, that was my brave moment. And I'm so glad I did it. And if telling my story helps one other person press pause, maybe before they get as far down as I did in the cycle, then it's totally worth it. Right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. That was, that was my year. And I think, you know, you and I, I was on that leave of absence. I think when, when, you had reached out and we had coffee and kind of chatted. So the, the timing was, was incredible. Cause you're right. You were along for that entire ride. <laughs> yeah. And had no idea that, I mean, I knew that there was a lot going on in your life. What I loved about your story too, is that you shared, I, I set boundaries for this family member and you were obviously so informed about and so in action about your father and losing your father and him losing himself, which I think is one of the most painful parts of dementia and Alzheimer's, et cetera. And still, and you were giving, you were still giving on your leave. That is wild to me. You were a bright spot. It felt, you know, had it come like in the first week of my leave, I, I probably was under, you know, in my blanket for it at home hiding. But you reached out during a time when I was ready to start finding people again and reaching out to my tribe. And it was just really great. It was really great, to, really great timing. So. Oh, wow. It's like that thing that's always on Facebook. You never know what battles other people are managing. And here you are. You're so proactive. Yeah. So many people are hiding. Yeah, so many people are hiding. So when you decided to go on leave, how did that happen with your extended community? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I was pretty discreet about it at the time. I was pretty open about it when I came back, but at the time that I went out, it was just, I shared it with a very few people and really just kind of that I was going out on a medical leave. And my immediate team definitely, they knew, uh, and I was really clear and transparent with them, but broadly it was just kind of a medical leave was how we positioned it. And then when I came back and as the years have passed, I've been much more obviously very open about the catalyst for that and, and what it was. And you know, the thing that really struck me, Nicole, when you were saying we don't know what other people are going through, as I've been posting and stuff in Mental Health Awareness Month, I've really been trying to, to bring a lot of this out. The number of instant messages and stuff that I've gotten from friends who I didn't know were suffering through something, from colleagues who are saying, you've made me stop and think that maybe I need to walk away for a little bit. It's just amazing how many people are just trying to carry the entire world on their shoulders and not let anything drop. And the moment that someone starts to tell them, you know, you can, it doesn't critically impact who you are as a human. You're not failing people. You're not going to lose your career. You're not like, it's okay to step away and take some time. And just planting that seed for a few people. And, and these are people where I'm like, wow, I had no idea. People have no idea what others are going through. Yeah. Because we just keep powering on. Yeah, right? so. absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, 100%. And especially in our industry when so often it feels like we're holding on so tightly to what we've accomplished. And one of the things I hear so many times from my clients is like, but I have to, I have to bring these other people up and I have this chance, but I can't lose this chance. And if I make this horizontal move, am I ruining my career? If I leap to this smaller company or bigger company, am I, let alone talking about mental health and therapy. And as you know, I lived in Germany for a very long time. Therapy here is something, or mental health is something that from my perspective, we talk about fairly openly in the United States in comparison to Germany. And the first few times I talked about, I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy. I had an eating disorder. I was diagnosed with depression the first time when I was like eight or nine years old. Like in therapy for me, if I, if I had a wand, they're 12, 13. Okay. Now I have a nine-year-old to maybe nine-year-old. You just get a counselor. You just get a therapist once a week. It's just the way it is. Everybody (laughs) has one because I know that I have created hurt for myself, but more importantly, I've created hurt for my community because I didn't manage my low self-esteem. Instead, I brought that and projected that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's funny that you say that because I had a colleague I was talking with very recently, actually, about the fact that I kept powering through work with all of this stuff going on in my personal life. I kept powering through work. And I look back on it now, that rearview mirror, right? That's so brilliant. <laughs> Where at the time we think we're holding it together and we're powering through. But but in reality, I look back and what I know was happening was the team, I had an amazing team, Nicole. I mean, you knew most of them, right? I had a great team. They were doing just fine without me. They were powering through. And then I would drop back in at these moments of deep reconnection and suddenly try and catch up and change everything or insert myself into things 
And then I would have the personal stuff would get overwhelming again. And maybe I would take a little bit more of a backseat for a while. And they would, again, they would do just fine. But this disruption that I caused by diving in and out at this like deep, shallow, deep, shallow level didn't do anyone any favors. And the project was fine. It would have been fine if I'd been deeply immersed. It would have been fine if I wasn't. But I think I caused a lot of disruption for them that didn't have to be there by not acknowledging that it was okay for me to step back and take care of me for a little bit consistently. And we don't realize as we're trying to power through these things, we think, I think we kind of trick ourselves into believing that we're doing favors Mm -hmm. for others by continuing to stay engaged when maybe if we just got out of their way, that might be the better option. And it's a scary thing to put yourself in that position of getting out of the way because then I'm not needed, then I'm not valuable. Does that mean they realize they don't actually need me? What does that do to my career? Like if all of these things crop up and, yeah. and so it's a really vulnerable thing to, to step away. It's, yes. it's hard to do that. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of an example when we were at the same company, when there were two of us and we were set up, it was like a, who's going to do the job better kind of thing. And he's also American. He's a good friend of mine now. And we really struggled. And at some point, I don't, I think probably he, because he was way more socially aware at the time, realized what was happening. And one of us had to decide we were going to do something else. And I was terrified, was terrified. I'm this American, I'm living in Germany. If I go into this other role, and instead it became this incredible, well, first of all, just an amazing friendship with him. But also that's how I got into change management because I left that comms role where we were set up to fight with each other. And I went into a change role, which enriched my entire life. And I didn't learn until recently. And for me that there's a bridge in here. I had an intern at the time. I had two interns. Both of them came up through development they were both going to Karlsruhe University. One, within weeks, she was like, yeah, no, I, I really, I know I want to be in dev. And the other one really was so excited to bring the dev and the comms together. And she told me a few years ago how much it meant to her to see someone role model, not fighting, choosing peace, and making a career move. And I think about your story and yeah, like the fear is so real, but you role modeled for all those people. And now for everyone listening to this, which is like, in my opinion, it's a lot of people per episode. You're giving that gift again. You're role modeling for us that we can do this differently. We can take care of ourselves. We can prioritize our mental health and still enjoy our careers as women, as women in tech. Yeah, we, we absolutely can. And, you know, that's, I always say, like, if, if I can change your trajectory for one person, mm-hmm. that it was worth sharing my story. And I feel that way with teen moms when I talk to them, you know, everybody, if, if it helps anybody, then it was worth it to be vulnerable. And I think as women and as, as women leaders, it's, it's important. We've got to, I said it earlier, we've got to lead out loud. We have to lead out loud, right? It's the only way that we have to model that behavior and to model that you can have both worlds and that you can take big risks and you can do brave things and you come out the other side and not only intact, but oftentimes better, right? A better version of me. I feel like I came all of that, a better version of me 
than I was when I went in. And so it all happens for a reason. So really specifically, when you look back, rear view mirror is so bright. What were like one or two of those early signs that were like, hey, girl, hey, <laughs> let's slow it down, let's, let's, <laughs> that you totally ignored? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, you know, I, I have kind of some personal and some professional ones. So I'll, I'll try and simmer it down to a couple. Personally, one thing that I noticed, so I have some autoimmune stuff that goes on when my sleep is disrupted. I am in pain, literal physical pain that gets worse and worse the longer my sleep is disrupted. And that's a spiral for me that I now am catching much earlier in the spiral than I was before where I was catching it down at, at the very bottom of it. So for me, any some triggering events that I watch for personally is around sleep disruption. I think that that's huge. Ariana Huffington does a whole set of TED Talks and everything else around around sleep disruption. And I, it was so funny because I'm sitting at conferences listening to her talk about this stuff while I'm in the throes of dealing with all of this. So, um, you know, it, it at least prompted me to pay attention to it in a different way, but I let it go too far. And now I catch it much earlier in the cycle. It's okay, for example, to take a sick day for mental health, right? If you find yourself getting into that spiral and you need a day, we don't give ourselves permission that's not a sick day. I don't have the flu. I don't have, and, and sometimes it's as simple as you need to reset your sleep schedule. So sleep for me is a really, really big one. Professionally, I think I come up to speed on topics very quickly. I have a good memory yeah. for to-do items, action items, that sort of thing. I'm able to track a lot. Uh, it's a gift I think I got from my dad who was on the spectrum and he really has a, had a tremendous memory. And so when I started dropping balls and losing my ability to track or to focus on what was in front of me, that to me should have been a trigger. And I think if someone is struggling with a whole lot going on in other areas of their life and they're finding themselves not able to concentrate or making more lists than you usually make or anything that's out of your normal operation when you're at a hundred percent. I joke about the best version of me, but I think that's the case is when it's not the best version of you that's showing up, then it's probably time to step back and say, why is that? And then honor that, right? What can I do to honor that? We may step back and realize what it is that's causing it, but we often don't give ourselves permission to go fix that mm, thing. That is beautiful. Yeah. When I think about our, our time working together, the image of a pelican comes into mind because a pelican, you know, stays very still and like balances on nothing. And then when they dive, yep. it's like with precision, with accuracy. And, and you just, you, for me, you just pop back up You're like, okay, let's go. And then there's a stillness and then a, a dive. So I'll thank you for sharing that sleep yeah. and showing up as who you are with your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much. And in the show notes, we're actually going to share some resources for people who want to learn more. If any of this resonates with you and you think this is something that I really should look into in the show notes, we're going to have some more materials because what I would like to also share is nobody looks at high blood pressure and says, I'm just going to power through <laughs> or diabetes. I'm just going to think myself to health. 
<laughs> yes, you were so right. Absolutely. If it's physical, somehow it's give ourselves that grace. And when it's not, it's like we, we discredit it. Yeah. Because we feel we feel broken when it's not something people can see from the outside, then it must be that I'm broken. Yeah. Right. And nothing can be further from the truth. It means you're human having a human experience. Absolutely. And I cannot remember who the famous actor is. It may have been Kevin Bacon. It may have been Kevin Bacon's colleague, definitely from the 80s. He recently said, refusing to have mental health is permitting us, our souls to be colonized by a power that hurts us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. sorry, Kevin Bacon, yeah. if it wasn't you, it should have been. All right. So who is a brave role model in your life? Oh, I, you know, I have spent some time thinking about this one and this is probably going to feel like a cop out. So I apologize if, if that's how it comes across, cause it's not meant that way, but there are so many people in my life who I look to for those, those pockets of bravery, depending on what it is that I need. And, and so just as a couple examples, like my kids who are adults, but I still call them kids, they embody authenticity and they are bravely and unapologetically, they show up as just themselves every day. They're great at boundaries. They're great at all of these things. And so when I need to tap into just being me, like I just remember they, they've just always done this and I'm in awe of both of them. And they're, like I said, just their bravery and their ability to just be them. And they're so good at that, Nicole. And so, you know, I, I love that about them. And then on the flip side of that, I spent several years. That does not feel like a cop out. You, I'm like, I'm going to feel that way about my babies too. (laughs) (laughs) You will, I promise. And and then these hospice patients who they are facing like the worst possible thing and they're living and they're loving and they're doing what needs to be done. And for some of them, they're still fighting. And I just like, there's bravery in that. And, And I remember that like any day I have a bad day at work, I remember like perspective guys nobody dies here it's it's perspective and i just think that's so important and then i have colleagues who are taking these big beefy risks they're moving across country they're living away from people that they love they're bringing new products to market they're they're doing big things and and i sit in awe of them every day watching them just take these risks when risk for me is something i have to consciously do it doesn't come naturally right i force myself into it and for people who make that look easy i'm just sit in awe of that and so many women in tech that i've met through the years who i'm still very very connected to um, you know, Patty Fletcher, Laura Butler, Sue Van Klink, like Lisa Hartley, the names go on and on. And they all just jump forward with these risks. And I'm like, wow, wow. Right. So when I think about who gives me my brave, like I tap into that from so many people, it would be unfair for me oh, to name a single person. That was so inspiring. <laughs> I haven't heard some of those names in a while and they are some of the coolest women. Absolutely. I am so fortunate to have the circle of women that I have. It's when I look at my career, which looks a little bit like a family circus cartoon, because I've done so many things, but the women that are in my circle and so many men, really incredible male leaders who fiercely paved the way for other 
people and for women to rise through the ranks. Like it's not just the women in my circle that I love. And I'm just very, very lucky that I've crossed paths with so many incredible people. Thank you for that. That was, that was so holistic from kids to hospice, humans to colleagues. Thank you. All right. Well, I am super grateful. If you want to follow along with Brenda or reach out, um, LinkedIn is the best channel, right? Yep. LinkedIn would be great. You'll find me under Brenda Reed HR, LinkedIn and Twitter, but I do most of my posting on LinkedIn for whatever reason. It's a platform I seem super comfortable with. So, Oh, fantastic. Oh my goodness. So from one woman in tech to the next, thank you for sharing this crazy industry with me. I am thrilled to be here, Nicole, and I am blessed to have known you for as long as I have. So thank you very, very much. It's my pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. If you're ready to build your brave, to live a life you love and create a career that matters to you, reach out. Together, we can spend time one-on-one to explore how I can help you. And until then, share this episode with people in your life, people who can join our movement to redefine brave, how we identify it, experience it, and celebrate it.